how many of you remember these? Okay. Now, I'm not going to ask you for a raised hands, but how many of you know where your star is? Oh, I'm getting some hands. Okay, how many of you remember what was on your star? Okay, maybe. Okay, there are some people here who have never received a star. So anybody who would like a star or have never received a star, please pick one. Go ahead and just pick one. Yep. It will make sense once I do that. I do that. Would anyone else like a star? Anyone else like a star? We never did. Okay, anyone else? Right? So it has been almost exactly six months since Epiphany when we first passed these Epiphany stars out. Something we do each year, and we're not going to let you forget that we passed them out. We're not going to wait until next Epiphany to actually talk a little bit about them, and our passage today is perfect for a little bit of a check-in. So, is there anyone out there brave enough to share just a few sentences about your experience thinking about the fruit of the Spirit that you received on Epiphany? For those of you who still have your stars and still know what you were you received, what has it been like to think about that for the last six months? Yeah. Joy was one. Yep. Not just happiness, which comes and goes, but true joy from within. Okay, great. Thank you, David. Um, fortitude. Okay. And it helps me, um, it gives me a boost thinking of my significant years as they, as they accumulate, my significant years. Okay, okay, thank you. Oh. Okay, yeah. Self-control, and I already know what that is a forever for me. <laughs> I will die telling the priest I almost made it. <laughs> okay, great. Mine was joy, yeah. but the last six months have not been very joyful, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. That's yeah. Very hard. Others? Yeah, Mike. My star was love. And in the challenge I think has come. I'm thinking about, you know, we we sat and discussed, we had a situation, how do you love somebody who just took your copper piping for for air conditioning? How do you the divisiveness that's around our country right now? How do you love each other within that framework. And I think, you know, I, the, from the passage in that word love is just the challenge that comes with that word. You know, we talked about loving your neighbor, and who's your neighbor? It's everybody. And, and so um, it, makes, it, it makes you pause each and every day when you think about that. So. Yeah, what happens when your, your 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 neighbor might be someone you don't find very lovable, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to dive into this passage, and I'm going to give you five ways to think about the fruits of the Spirit to encourage you as you go forward for the next six months to think about how might this particular fruit that you've received 
um, work itself into your life. In my garden, many of you know, I tend to use my garden a lot in metaphors for sermons. In my garden, I have three mulberry trees. Okay, Two of them were there to begin with. They were in a little green space along the side of my property. And the third one decided to volunteer itself in my yard. Now, at first, I'm like, no, you can't come into my yard. But then I decided that instead of a scraggly hillside, I actually might see what, what happens. So the first year I cut it down, and the second year I said, okay, let's just see what happens. And so the, the shoots did not get any resistance from the lady of the house, okay? And it grew, and it grew, and it grew with vigor. And it was still, though, not apparent that this was a good decision because it was kind of still a little scraggly, you know, it's a bush at first. And then the third year, all of a sudden, it grew exponentially, and it became taller than me by about five feet. And it was huge, and it was wonderful. And then it started to uh, have fruit. And then the birds found it, and the squirrels found it, and then I had, you know, background in, uh, backyard entertainment all summer long. It was it was wonderful. The bitter winters, the hot sun, the droughts—all of it did not hurt this bush. It just grew vigorously. Lovely green leaves, multiple trunks. Now it's about 15 feet tall. Okay, that's it's pretty tall. And come autumn, it's the last bush tree now to turn. The, the leaves stay forever, and then they actually don't fall off. They actually continue through the winter and kind of crackle with the wind, and it just adds a little bit more interest to the garden. So I love it, and it's a great privacy screen, too, for this little area that I have alongside the side of my house. Now, right now, if you know mulberry trees, that can be kind of messy. They, um, there's a slight smell coming off from them because the fruit is just past ripe. And the birds have decided, not yet, it's not ready yet. They really, really want it ripe. And so I, it's kind of unpleasant. So I'm hoping the birds find the feast really quickly so that I can more enjoy my, my area where I drink tea. That'll come back in, in how we look at this passage. But as I ponder reading Galatians, mulberry trees provided a real-world example for me of the cycle of a fruit tree and some insights into Paul's image of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life as fruit. Okay, so here, buckle your seatbelts. Here's five ways to think about the fruit of the Spirit in relation to just fruit. First, the fruit is God's, not ours. Okay? The fruit is not ours. Throughout the passage, Paul is clear that the fruit is not ours, but it's the Spirit's. We are called to live by the Spirit, to, to pay attention to what the Spirit desires above our own desires, to be guided by the Spirit, and to look at the outcome of the Spirit's life in us. And these, these outcomes are the fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
but they're not something that we create. I did not create my mulberry tree, and I did not create the mulberries that are growing on it. Two, the fruit is the result of growth, and growth takes time. It's an organic process. I didn't go out and build a mulberry tree overnight. I've had to wait years for this to come to some maturity. And we're called to help to create the conditions for the seeds of the fruits of the Spirit to grow in our lives. To think about this, to tend the garden of our souls and to root out whatever might get in the way of these new shoots that are springing up that God has planted. But God is the master gardener. I'm the helper in this process. God is the master gardener. Even with my mulberry tree, I can create the conditions for this tree to grow, but I'm not the one providing the sun or the rain or the nourishment of the soil. I can help as necessary, but it is God who's the master gardener. I also can't force my mulberry tree to grow. Now, imagine I actually, uh, I got peace for mine this year. And <laughs> there are times when I am not a peaceful person. And sometimes I'm like this, I want to be peaceful. <laughs> okay, that's not working. <laughs> that is not the way to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. This kind of clenched, clenched teeth, you know, squinty eyes, this is not the way to do it. God is calling us to relax into the work God is already doing. That is hard, okay? As a person who longs to be peaceful and who often is like, I have to just go, okay, God, you have got this. You will take care of this. Now, one way to do that, I have found, think about your word, maybe not peace, maybe it's one of the other ones, is that while you might tend the garden in some way, you might read some scripture, you might pray, you might have your practices, you might follow the rule of life that we share as a congregation, one way just to start is to enjoy the presence of this fruit of the Spirit in your life. How do you do that? You look for where you see it already. You look for where God is already at work with this fruit. I look in my life, where is peace already breaking through? And I pay attention to that. And I hope and pray that it expands. Another way to do this is I look in the lives of people around me and I say, I see peace in these ways. I call it out, too, in people's lives. And I celebrate it and I look at it as a model for how God is calling me to be and how God is wanting us all to express the fruits of the Spirit. So enjoy the presence. Rather than clenching, I must be this, Find where it already is. Find where it already is. Third thing, the fruit is full of strength and life. We have some challenges with our culture that some of these words may seem weak. We might think of gentleness as a doormat, or we might think of joy as just merely pleasure. 
Maybe kindness is actually conflict avoidance. Or love is misguided. We have some negative understandings of these words. And so my encouragement to you is to think, what do I think this word means? And then seek God for what it actually means. Because God is the one whose presence is in these fruits. God's own self active in our lives. It's God's presence. So that means it's not weak. It's powerful. It's life-giving. It's strong. And these words then can take on a new meaning and vigor. In Song of Songs, I love this passage from chapter 8, verse 7. talks about love. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. Okay, that's powerful. We have seen in the life of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, that life does not kill love. Death does not kill love. In the same way, each of these words can describe a powerful way that God can be present in us for the healing of the world. Okay, fourth, the fruit of the Spirit is juicy and sweet all the way through. Now, this might be an unpleasant memory, but if you ever bitten into a strawberry or an apple and found it extremely bitter or mealy on the inside, and you're like, ugh, it looks so beautiful on the outside, but there's, ugh, what's inside? Our culture often encourages us to put on the appearance of virtues or one of these fruits, when in truth there is no substance there. And it's more about us and how we want to be perceived by the people around us, not about God's presence in us. Okay? So think about that. It's more about how we're perceived. It's not focusing on the fruit of the Spirit as God's presence in us. Now, here's a caution. Does this mean that I have to feel patient or gentle or joyful in order to live out the fruit of the Spirit. You have to feel it. Feelings are transitory. You know, sometimes they depend on what you ate for breakfast. It isn't about feelings. Living out the Spirit's presence in our life isn't about feelings. It's about intention, about choice. God may call you to express His kindness in a situation that makes you want to lash out. You may not feel kind in that moment, but you can choose to act kind to express God's own kindness through you. And that's not hypocrisy. That's choosing to be God's hand and feet and voice in the world, even if you don't feel it in that moment. And that's very different than keeping up appearances. Focus on God and focus on God's work in the world. The fifth thing, and this fits with where my mulberry tree is right now, before the feast of the birds, fruit goes bad if it's kept only for us. If the birds don't show up to my mulberry tree, they're missing out. But that fruit is just going to fall off, and it's not going to, you know, yeah, the seeds will go into the ground, but it's not doing the full cycle of being enjoyed by the animals. It's also the seeds are not going to be spread through far and wide because of the animals. Something's missing in the process. 
I also really don't want my yard to be any smellier than it is, so I really want them to come. Keeping the fruit of the Spirit for ourselves alone so that we can feel patient or good or kind or joyful isn't the point. It's not to boost our self-image. It's not to say, I'm a good follower of Jesus. I'm a good Christian. I'm a good human. It's to heal the world. The fruit is for us to share with the world. God is all about a healing relationship, and these fruits are ways that that relationship is healed. Earlier in the passage, we hear all about these these actions that are negative, that God is against, and if you look at every single one of them, they break relationships. God is not about breaking relationships. God is about healing them and says, this is the answer, the fruit of the Spirit. This is how I reconcile the world. Here's a definition of the fruits. The fruits are God's own self grown in our particular lives and circumstances for his purpose. The fruits are God's own self grown in our particular lives and circumstances for the healing of the world. So this week, I encourage you to spend time with your fruit of the Spirit, the one you received at Epiphany or the one you received today. You didn't choose the fruit you received. I didn't choose my mulberry trees. That's okay. It's good because God has a plan and a purpose for this particular fruit in your life. Spend time by looking at the fruit in your life and in the lives of the people around you. Pay attention to the stories that exemplify the fruit. Imagine what this fruit, expanding and growing to 15 feet tall, will look like in your life. Imagine what it might feel like to see more patience and more kindness surrounding you. Just hang out with God and what God is already doing. When we focus on the clenched, I need this, I want this fruit, we actually miss the fruit itself. Relax. Allow God to plant the spirit in the garden of your souls and see how the fruit will grow strong and vigorous for the healing of the world. Amen. Amen.